audible. I'm going to pull an audible this morning. Uh, if you don't know what an audible is, it's what happens when the quarterback comes up to the line and he sees something going on on the line and he changes the play right at the moment. So the most famous audible signal in football history is what word? Omaha. Now we all know what it means, right? We didn't know, used to know what it means, but the secret is out. Omaha. Just a little bit of an audible this morning. I, I really feel from the Lord something today um, about uh, just where we're all going and where we're headed and what God's doing in our lives. And uh, I, I want to start, before I pray, I want to start, I want to read, um, read from Joshua chapter 4 and 5. So we're in, we're in the uh, book of Joshua this morning. We started last week, we're talking about how Joshua, the next generation, came across the Jordan River into the promised land. And uh, I'm going to preach a little more inspirationally this morning in the sense that between the two services, I really felt, um, I really felt something from the Lord to, to deliver. And so I'm going to do something very simple. But let me read, read to you from chapter 4 of Joshua um, in verse 18. Last week we saw Joshua and the priests and the Ark of the Covenant come into the, the Jordan River. We saw the Jordan River stopped up at a town upstream called Adam. The river dried up. They came through, they took stones, etc., and then they're stepping across onto dry land. So let's start in verse 18. It says, And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And no sooner had their feet uh, set on dry ground that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. So the priests came up, and as soon as their feet touched dry ground, the waters behind them went back to flood stage. Now, jumping over to uh, chapter 5, uh, verse 10. Chapter 5 of Joshua, verse 10. Um, 10. 10. <laughs> Spiritual puberty. Um, on the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal. Now, Gilgal was what they named the place. When they came across, Joshua led the people across the river. They, they made camp, and they named it Gilgal. Um, on the plains of Jericho, which was the first city that they would face, and the first people group that they would go to war with. You remember that? We talked about it. So there's Jericho off in the distance, and here they are between the Jordan River and their Jericho. And the Israelites celebrated the Passover. They celebrated the Passover. Um, the day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land. So this was the first time that they had, that they had eaten produce grown from the land because they had been living off of miraculous provision from God for all these years. And now for the first time, they got to go over and pick a piece of produce and eat it from the ground. So it's a huge moment in the journey of Israel. This is a big deal because it represents a shift and what provision is, and the purpose for provision, okay? So, uh, the manna stopped the day after they ate this food, and there was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. And I want to talk today about um, the view from this side, okay? This side of the Jordan. Father, I thank you this morning for what you're doing in our lives, and I thank you, Jesus, that... Um, <clears throat> whatever we're facing, you absolutely are with us and you're going to get us through it to the other side. So that's our faith. That's our life. That's our journey. That's who you are. That's what you do. You get us to the other side. 
And every single day we get up out of bed and we, we face our context. And sometimes it's wonderful and sometimes there's challenges. But the promise that we have is that you're going to get us to the other side. And so today, God, we love you so much. We give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Okay, so I want to have Josh and, and Gabby or whoever is going to come up here. And uh, this is just just happened. I, I was sitting here thinking about how to illustrate this. So I had, I went, I went to the, um, the kids ministry and I stole their, uh, their tug of war rope. And, and then I had a, a revelation, Josh, this rope is like really rough on the hands. How can you have our children pulling on such a rough rope? I mean, I honest, they, they haven't learned. They haven't learned. It's a leadership, bro. It's a leadership thing. Um, I don't think I could even pull on that. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to just talk a little bit this morning. And uh, I have a couple of points so you can write down if we get there. But, but what happened is, is that Joshua, who's the recipient of the promise. Now remember last week, if you don't know the story, Moses and Joshua had a transition. And Moses couldn't get everybody from uh, one side of the river to the other. It wasn't God's plan and there were reasons for that. And so Moses goes up on top of a hill and he gets to look off into the distance. And the Lord says to him, look at all the the wonderful things that all the wonderful things that that are in the promise for your children, your your children's children. It's going to be phenomenal. But Moses, Moses didn't get to go. And um, but he got to see it. And this is this is the Jordan River, by the way, if you're wondering what this is, this is the this is the river. Okay, no matter what it looks like, this is the Jordan River. And so Moses actually he, he was the recipient of the, of the word of provision. And what happened to Moses was is Moses found himself in a place with God's people where they needed provision. And God had stopped them on the side of the river and they didn't get to cross. And every day, manna fell from the sky and you know, along the way, quail showed up. Or at times in the journey, Moses would get water from a rock or whatever. It was miraculous provision. How many of you here have ever had miraculous provision in your life? And you, and you appreciate it because it's very, very important. God shows up when you can't do anything on your own to make it happen. And he will make it happen for you. There's, there's no question. And so this side of the river, if I could give this side of a river a name, it would be provision. The, there are seasons in our life where we learn um, how to rely on God. There are times and seasons where you can't figure it out and I can't figure it out. But, but we learn that, that God already has the answer. And if there's one thing that we can learn from Moses and and God's people on this side of the river is that regardless of how difficult it is, God does provide and God does come through for us. And he never leaves us or forsakes us in our time of need, right? And so then Moses goes on to heaven and he gets to look across the river, but he can't apprehend it. And so then Joshua comes up, you'll remember, and Joshua's standing on this side of the river and he's got to go across, but he's got to do a miracle. You remember this from last week. Joshua's never done this kind of a miracle in this context before. So, you know, Moses parted the Red Sea. Moses is the one who, who called things out of heaven and out of water, out of rocks. I mean, the miracles were huge. And you're Joshua, and you've got you've to stand there in front of the water. And all of God's people are standing, thousands of people behind you. And they're waiting for you to do your first miracle, right? No pressure. How, no, no pressure at all. I just got to part the river. Now, I want you to remember, too, that the river is at flood stage. So it's not, like, it's not like it was a normal river. And if you've ever seen pictures of the river, it's actually not that big. It's, it's fairly wide, you know, at certain moments in the journey on the river. But when it's at flood stage, it's a very dangerous body of water. And so he's not only, not only does he have to do a miracle, but he's facing the miracle at flood stage. 
sometimes the greatest struggles or prayers that you have to, to pray, the miracle that you need, it doesn't happen when things are easy. It happens when things are difficult. In other words, when, it's rain, when it rains, it pours. You hear what I'm saying? Why couldn't the river have been low so that even if it doesn't work, we may not get swept away. We can probably just get through the water. He made sure that it was at flood stage, God did, so that they knew there was no way they could get there on their own. It was impossible. On a normal day, there are parts of the Jordan River where you might be able to scooch through the thing. But God called them across the river when it was at a flood. There was no way for them to cross. So the only way across is a miracle. And so they, they get into the water, you remember, and they're standing in the middle. They're, they're standing in the middle of the river. The priests come through. And as they go through the river, we talked about the stones. So this is what God said. Go through the river, pick up a stone. Um, and uh, for each tribe of Israel, each family grabs a stone, and you carry it out of the water, and you build an altar with it on the other side. And so as they walk in, it didn't happen the way it happened for Moses, right? When Moses wanted to part the Red Sea, it just kind of parted. And by the way, there's an archaeological study. I'm going to nerd out for 10 seconds. I'm all about this. I found this great study in a video. They actually have found... They think they have found the place where the Red Sea actually parted because they have found the wheels, the wheels of the chariots from the soldiers that were chasing God's people. They found them in the bottom of the water. And, and they, it was funny because they thought, they, they thought that there was coral and they thought it was the most interesting coral in the world and the government wouldn't let anybody study it. So they went to study it because the coral was round, they were perfectly round and had these, these they're called axles, had a had a, a wheel axle, and they didn't know what it was. They said, oh, look at the way they grow. They finally got down there. They pulled a couple out, and they found some that were, that were made out of brass and pure gold. They're wheels from chariots that only could have come at the time that the Pharaoh chased because they only had three spokes, and later on they had four. I mean, they found the place. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty cool. I want to go, you know. Okay, so here they are in the river, and as they're going across the water, it parted for Moses, but for Joshua, he stopped the water at a city upstream, so it took a while for the water to go down, right? And so Joshua had to kind of deal with that as they went in. It went down as they went in, it went down, but what's important is that, that we represent, we are a type of the stone, and Jesus is, and and. Joshua is a type of Christ. And so Joshua's name means deliverer, it means savior. And as he walks into the river, he grabs the stones. And so the Jordan, the Jordan River means, Jordan means, uh, Jor means to cover. And Dan means, in, in Hebrew, it means, uh, it means judgment, to be covered in judgment. And so just, just look at the picture. Joshua goes in, the deliverer, he picks the stones up, puts them on, on their shoulders, and they deliver the stones to the other side. That's you and me. We're we're delivered from being covered in judgment by the grace of God, Jesus, our deliverer. And Joshua carries us and he takes us to the other side and he plants us on the other side of the river. And it says that he took, he came and he he built an altar on the other side. Now this is really important because scripture says that they, they wanted him to build an altar so that our children and our children's children, when they see the altar, they'll say, what is that all about, right? So your children and your children's children, they may not understand everything you went through, But we have to leave uh, altars and stones in place to let them know. I want my children to know. I want my children to know what God did to get us to this point. But what is really important is that this over here was about provision. 
But on this side over here, this was about the promise. And what God Moses provide, how God got him to this point right here through provision is not what's, what's going to take Joshua to the place of fulfilling the promise. That was about provision. This was about the promise. And that's why when Joshua takes a piece of the fruit on the other side of the land, that all of the manna stopped. Because the provision, the miracle that got them to there is not the miracle that we need to face Jericho. Jericho is a part of the promise, but over there we just needed to eat somebody. Come on, right? Over over there we're going to change the world and there are seven people groups that we're going to face. The Bible tells us who they are. The Amorites, the Canaanites, the Jebusites. There's seven people groups, groups and we're going to fight seven battles with these groups. And we're going to take the promised land. God said, a land flowing, Right? In the Bible, with milk and honey. You know what you do with milk and honey? You make sweet, hot milk. And you drink it. All right? You don't throw it on altars. You drink it. You know, cocoa. You make chocolate milk. They had chocolate milk. It's in the Bible. Um, not really. But they, over here, it was about, I got to eat. But over here, we're going to change the world. So what, was, what got them through their provision? Is not what was going to take them to receive the promise. It's not, it's not the same thing, you know. It's like, it's, it's two totally different generations. And so what happens is, as soon as they eat the fruit or the produce, the manna stopped. God will not give you miracles to do what you can do yourself. You see, God provides for you in the time of provision. But when you go into the time of promise, the kind of miracle that you need will shift and change. And so here we are in the middle. In the middle. And, uh, you know, if you've ever driven through a storm, you know, a, a crazy storm in Colorado or New Mexico, when you get to the other side, it is so nice to be out of that storm, isn't it? I mean, sometimes you feel like, you know, your car is going to get blown off the freeway. We've been in some crazy storms. Um, and when you get through it, you're, you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm so glad that's over. If you come over the Rockies and you're in the Rocky mountains and it's snowing and then you come out into the plain out into Denver and that, that goes away. You're so glad that you got out of that. It's really important. There is something though that you learn in the middle. Joshua in the middle, the priests in the middle, when the river didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen, you know, you learn something. My, my wife and I, and a few people here in, in the service today, actually, we went, uh, we went zip lining a couple of years ago. Have you ever been zip lining? You know, zip lining is, a, is so fun, unless it breaks. And uh, so, so we, we go zip lining, you know. And now if you know my wife, you know, most people know her worship. And, you know, she laughs. And, you know, if everybody loves her laugh, you should hear her scream. Because it's like, if there was, there's not. But if there were three levels of heaven or something, it'd be like, the laugh is good, but the scream <laughs> empties the wilderness of all of its animals. They run. They think. So, so here we are, and there's like 10 of us. I don't remember how many people. We're up on this platform, and we're going to take the last zip line, the last one. And, 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 and the, this nice girl, this young girl, and, and by the way, if you're my age, okay, you're, you're hitting the moment, right? You go to the doctor. And the doctor's like 20 years younger than you. You're like, what are you, a high school student, right? You start to feel that. You know, the, a safety person comes up and goes, and goes, and they're in puberty. Hi. Or, you know, if you didn't, it breaks on you, we'll save you. You know, you're like, dude, you, you weigh 92 pounds. You can't, 
You know, this nice young girl comes up, there's a guy, they're like, yeah, it's never broken. You know, it's a quarter mile across the canyon, there's a river, but don't worry about it, but I'm supposed to tell you, if it breaks, we'll rescue you. Uh, we have a team of people trained and ready to rescue anyone, but it, it's not going to happen. It's never, it, you know, it happened a couple years ago. And in my head, having lit, been married to her for 22 years, and, and again, we, we're married, we, we get this. I'm thinking, well, you shouldn't have said that. Because, I mean, I, and I'm not superstitious, but I'm like, this is Buddha. I'm rubbing Buddha's head right here. I mean, like, you should not have said that. So the last one, we're all across. And my wife straps in to the zip line. And we're all like, hey. She's like, hey. And then she jumps. And then she takes off. And I don't know how fast they go, but it's a long, it's fast, you know. And she's screaming, screaming. And, and, and we're all kind of laughing because she's screaming. And then there's a point. As she gets to the other side, there's a brake that's supposed to kick in. And you, you hit it, and the brake comes on, it slows down, and you, slow, and you hit the, you, you can drop right onto the platform. Well, she gets to the point in the experience where the brake is supposed to kick in, and it doesn't. Instead, it makes this loud noise, like, what just broke? And it, we, we had just enough time to think that before she goes up and basically hits the tree. Bam! Not, not really, but the end, bam! And then she's going the other way. Now, her scream levels went from fun to terror. Terror. And off she goes, the other direction, back across the canyon. And I, and I was in my head, I'm thinking, I told you not to say it. Like, I told you not to speak it. And then I started to laugh. Now, as a husband, you should never do this. No, really. I'm laughing so hard, my stomach hurt the next day. I was dehydrated because the tears, like, it's just, it was, it was, she comes, oh, so she screams to the other side, and then she screams back, and she screams, and then finally, slowly, she just stops. And there my wife is hanging over a canyon for about 20, 30 minutes as some 12-year-old comes to rescue her, you know? And this girl is shimmying out. They're shimmying out on this thing. They're strapping her in and they rescue her. We're all standing in a tree. I want you to remember this. This is a long time to be in a tree. And so he comes back and I said, I said, hey, babe, I know. I'm, I'm so sorry. I so am. I, I feel horrible. But thank you for... That was the best thing ever. Um, how did you feel? Right? How did you feel? And, uh, and her statement hit me. You know, she said, there's nothing like being on the other side. Now, just, just check it out. You know, th there are times where, where I, I just think that life is lived with Jesus, understanding that he meets us in the middle. It's in the middle where he shows up. And, and so that when you get to the other side, you have something to say, not about you, but about Jesus. And I just think this is so important. It, 
there's something about being in the middle. You know, and you and I are the rocks. We're, we're under the water. We're covered in judgment. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to get to the other side. Do you remember the, the story of Jesus and the apostles when they, they went across the lake? There's a story in the Bible. They, they all go across a lake together. And they get halfway in the middle of the lake and the storm hits. And all of the apostles, everybody on the boat thinks they're going to die. But Jesus is actually asleep in the bottom of the boat. And there is some correlation between you and I finding ourselves hanging out there in the middle of our canyon, whatever it is. But there is something so secure at knowing that Jesus is going to... He's, He's going to get us through this. Jesus wasn't worried. Jesus just came up and said, guys, listen, let's just, let's deal with this. And he's calmed the storm, you know. I guess the point is, is that Jesus is really good at rescuing us. As a matter of fact, it's rescuing that Jesus does the most. That's what he's always done. And Jesus came down out of earth and he walked on the ground and he was tempted like we were and he went to the cross. I mean, he's been coming and hanging in the middle uh, for us since the very beginning. If you think of Jesus on the cross in between two thieves, he just took your place. He just strapped on the, the rope and the, and the harness, and he just kind of went out and hung in the middle and took a spear in his side and a thorn of crowns on his head. And he just, he's really good at rescuing people in the middle. And every once in a while, he's got to let you hang there just long enough to where you stop trying to figure it out on your own. I'm telling you, life, life is about is about surrendering. And, and I, I know that, that when we're in the middle of something, our first reaction, you know, that fight or flight thing, at, at least in the natural, is to do whatever you can do, you know, to get out. I remember years and years and years ago doing some, uh, some lifeguard training, right? And in lifeguard training, they, they teach you that you, 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 when you're helping a drowning person, when they're out in the middle of the water, you help a drowning person, there's a specific way you have to approach them. There's a specific way that you've got to hold them because a person who is, who is struggling, they're going to grab you, fight or flight, and they're going to pull you down because they can't relax. And so uh, humanity is like these people. We're drowning. We're in the middle, and we're just fighting. But as soon as the loving hand, the arms of Jesus, he knows exactly, by the way, he knows you. He knows how to approach you. He knows how to keep your head above water. And you're not going to pull him down. Jesus is really good at rescuing. Matter of fact, he's, he's the best. And so here, here, here they are in the middle. And Jesus comes along and, he, and the deliverer, Joshua, come, they come along and he says, I want you to just pick them all up, get them out of the water. And I want you to carry them across, okay? So the priest... The priests, they, they walk out, and then he says, now I want you to build, build an altar over here. You will, you know, I'm thinking of Moses up on top of the mountain. And he's looking across the river. And he's like, he's like I see it, Lord. I wish I could see it. And the Lord says, I'm sorry, it's too late. The next generation is going to go. But that generation taught them something. You see, that side of the river was about provision. This side of the river was about the promise. But you will never experience the promise until you understand his provision. The two are dependent upon each other. They're two sides of the same coin. You can't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the promised land and we're going we're gonna to deliver. We're going to go after Jericho and I'm going to take care of Jericho. And then we're going to go to the next city. And then we're going to go to the next city, right? 
and, and we're gonna ha- we can handle this. I mean, look what, just, look what I just did when I parted the river. Because that's human nature. Look what I just did. Instead, Joshua turns and he looks at Jericho and he goes, man, I'll tell you what, uh, we, didn't, uh, we didn't do that ourselves. And so I don't think we can do this ourselves either. And, and what God told us to do was kind of crazy. So all, and it was at flood stage, right? Flood stage, flood stage. So flood stage. They take their feet and they step up onto the bank and they turn around and they see the flood. Did you know that sometimes the flood in your life, God doesn't make the flood disappear. He just gets you to the other side so you can look back and see what he brought you through. You see, God, sometimes we're coming through. It says the waters went right back to flood stage again. It's not like God said, hey, I'm going to take care of the flood. No more flooding. No, he wants you to come through the flood, put your foot on the ground, watch. You see, for me, like an example would be in my life and my family, very difficult family stuff growing up, right? And I'm, I'm grateful for the journey, but I mean, it wasn't easy. And now here I stand and I turn around and I look at where I came from or my family and my extended family and where they're at and all the stuff they're going through. You know, there's still, there's still a flood going on. There is, there's a flood. But for me personally, I'm on this side of it. The flood didn't disappear, but I do appreciate what God did for me. And now I understand the flood. I mean, how can I even speak to somebody in a flood if I've never been through one? I mean, let's just talk about how, how God uses these things. He doesn't make it all disappear. Prayer. Uh, faith, provision, these things that we ask God to do, miracles that we ask God to do, are not so that he can just change the circumstance. Lord, just change the circumstance, and then it's over. Sometimes he doesn't change the circumstance, but his grace gives you the ability to walk through the circumstance, take a step up onto the other side, and turn around and say, I've seen a new facet of my God. Do you know that you're never going to outsmart God? There's nothing that you're going to go through that he can't understand. We're the ones that don't understand his depth. We're the ones that don't understand his love. We're the ones that don't get him. But every time we find ourselves in the middle of whatever we're in, you have to believe that if you just trust him, he's going to deliver you. And when you put your first step onto the ground, the flood might return and you're going to go, wow, I get that. But it doesn't influence me. Let me, let me give you an example, okay? So there are just some things that, that you can't ever let influence you again. Because here's what happens, okay? What happens is, is that, that when you come out through a circumstance and you go through something, you look back at the flood and you begin to evaluate what just happened. So you evaluate your own strength. What part of it was me? Well, it was a, it was a flood, so hopefully none of it was you, right? You say, well, well the, flood in, the flood was... People. How many of you know that a flood and a circumstance and a trial, it always involves people? It's not like inanimate objects, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's been a horrible day. What wrong? Well, the flamingo in my yard, I don't know. It's like, no, it's people. And so you go through it with people, and then you turn around and you look at what you just came through, and you think, and you begin to evaluate the flood according to your experience, but there are some things that you can never take as you leave the flood to not go back there again, you've got to do some things. You can't worry about some stuff. Here, here they are. Number one, just a few thoughts. You can't let your mistakes or your failures not allow you to believe for the promise. Because when you look back at the flood, the first thing you start to do is wonder about everybody that you were just involved with. And you made some mistakes. Fine. 
You also had some victories. Awesome. You said some things you didn't mean. Okay. You and your wife didn't get along. I get it. You have some things in there you hope, wish that everybody was going to forget. They're not going to forget it. But here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that regardless of what your mistake was, regardless of how bad your mess up was, regardless of, of how much you hurt somebody or you were, you were hurt, God never ever forgets anybody. He never leaves them behind. And where you're sitting today, God still wants to use you. He's still got a plan for you. His hand is on your life and you can't worry about what they think. You can't worry about what other people, people walk around, people, people walk around and they think, well, what does that person think of me? Honestly, I don't care. What do they think about? I don't know. I knew them in the flood. And I, and, and I was their flood and they were my flood. And if they want to hang out on this side of the river, we'll break bread. Awesome. We'll t- partake of the promise together. But I am not going to worry about what somebody else viewed me or thought of me or how I responded in the flood. Because if we did that, we would never accomplish anything that God has ever call- called us to do. Jericho is over there. And if we're caught up here in the mind and our thoughts and our insecurities, we're never going to get to Jericho. Because remember last week, Jericho was going to take some crazy stuff, right? Jericho... Jericho was where they called the the brass trumpet players and the singers. And, you know, Joshua, who was a warrior, he had to let the musicians go first, right? And I think that was really difficult in some ways. But he learned it's not going to be the way I want it to be. And the way that you get there is to know exactly how you got from there to here. The revelation in one step from there to here. When you step out and you see the flood return, you have a revelation. Whew. I'm so glad I'm out of that. So you can't allow your failures and your mistakes or what people think of you or hurt or, or confusion. People get into a flood and they're confused and your weaknesses or feeling judged or judgmentalism on you. You have to take a step. And you, you realize that when you step out and you turn around and you see the flood, that you have a new lease on your destiny. The Bible even says a couple verses earlier, it says the judgment has been removed. It says the judgment of Israel has been removed as they went through the water. I didn't even preach on that one this morning because I did just for time. It said the judgment has been removed. The thing that that had all the mess-ups you made and the mistakes with Moses and the things that caused you to have to sit in the wilderness, it's all done. When you step from this spot to this spot right here, one step, just one step, one step, from there to here, you have a new lease on your destiny and everything else is behind. But if you don't understand provision, you'll never understand promise, okay? So then, promise. I believe that What God wants to do this morning as we close is he wants some of you to be, literally picture yourself, you're still in the flood and you have, you have seen God move and the water recedes with every step, which is probably the way that it happened because the water didn't part. The water was stopped up and it slowly went down. So with every step you watched God you watched him do a miracle for you. Some of you are right here. You are one step from provision, rescue, revelation, perspective. You are one step from your 
from your promise. So you, you, you are like this. And I want to pray for you this morning because, because it, this one step is really about what's happening here and here. See, the work that God's done, he's already, he's already finished. But he wants you to take both feet and place both feet in the promise this morning. He wants you to stop looking at what happened in the flood and your flood and your mistakes and your heart and your mind and your relationships, your past. And he wants you to stand here with a new lease on what God's called you to do.